God said, let there be light. And there was light. Strong words resonate. Echo of the waves appear in the sky. Their light reflected in your eyes. The sound of your voice, compassionate embrace. Words never fade away. They echo on for eternity. Let your echo ring. The glory which you have given me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. Be aware of his presence. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Echo from heaven, echo from heaven to earth. Echo earth to heaven. Well, it's been quite a week for our nation, and uh, it's a week where we've uh, got to reflect on who we are as individuals, who we are as a people, and uh, I, was, uh, I was pretty discouraged at times. You know, you just kind of look and go, what is going on in our world? And we know the answer, ultimately, what's going on in our world, but, um, but then God just gave me such a moment of just encouragement. And I began to see little elements of what God was doing in the middle of a storm. You know, sometimes all we see is the storm. We don't see what good comes out of the storm. And I really believe there's a move of God in the middle of the storm right now that to me is encouraging. I'm going to share a couple of things with you today that uh, in the middle of this sermon that are going to, to, to kind of illustrate that in a powerful way. When uh, right after the Dallas shooting, um, Dave Herman, who does our social media, he said, you've got to write some things right now. And I felt a bit inspired to, to crank out like three or four things just like that. And I want to read one of them to you. Um, because I think it speaks to what's happening in our world, and I think we can address it in a powerful way. When the foundation of a house shifts, the residents will notice cracks in the walls. There will be a brief commentary on the quality of the builder or the age of the structure, and all will be forgotten. When the foundation begins to crumble, everyone seems shocked that they didn't see it coming and asks questions like, how could this happen to us, or what are we going to do? Martin Luther King Jr., when reflecting on the ills of society, said, if we are to go forward, we must go back and rediscover those precious values. But all reality hinges on moral foundations and all that all reality has spiritual control. The truth is that the foundation of America has not shifted, it's cracked. And the house is in danger. We are reminded in the sacred scripture, unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. America will not recover from this malaise by dialogue or education or blame. The answer can be found in the foundation. General Douglas MacArthur wrote, history fails to record a single precedent in which nations subject to moral decay have not passed into political 
or economic decline. There has either been a spiritual awakening to overcome the moral lapse or progressive deterioration leading to ultimate national disaster. We're not living in a day unlike any other day. We're living in a day that is similar in many ways to every day that has preceded us up to this day. Study history, study the Bible, and you'll find there have always been those moments in time where people looked around and asked those very, very serious and hard questions. Sometimes someone will offer a simple answer. I'm reminded of the words of Elton Trueblood when he said, simple answers to complex questions are bound to be wrong. There are no simple answers unless the simple answer is God. When Ezekiel the prophet wrote what he wrote, he was under an inspiration of God, but even more than that, he was under an open vision from God. We talk about visions, but I also want to talk to you about an open vision because there's a difference. In a vision, you are, you are passive in that vision. You are observing something happening, but you're not in the middle of that vision. But when things move from a vision to an open vision, you now become a participant in that vision, and you're a part of what God is revealing. It's what happened to John the Apostle in the Revelation when he found himself not watching heaven but interacting in the events that were unfolding in the book of the Revelation. It's what we see happening in the book of Ezekiel today when we're going to study this chapter, chapter 47, and Ezekiel has an open vision. At first, when you begin to read the Scripture, you wonder what's going on. In fact, most of Ezekiel, you have that question. What is going on? Complex, difficult at times, challenging, but always inspirational because he always points to the living God. Anytime you have a vision that points to the living God, you will be blessed. That's why the book of Revelation says that blessed are those who read it, blessed are those who hear it, and blessed are those who heed it. In other words, you can read the book of Revelation and be blessed and not understand a word of it because it's an open vision. It has a unique blessing on it, unlike other books of the Bible. So as we begin to study, I want you to think about this idea of echo and something that, that moves through sound and it strikes an object and it comes back. What we want to do is we want to understand that our prayers echo into heaven and God wants to echo heaven on earth. He wants his kingdom to be here, not just in us, but among us transforming society, transforming individuals, bringing people from darkness into light and people from light into the Shekinah glory of God. It's not enough just to be in light. You have to be in the presence of God. If you've come to faith in Christ, then you've come into the light. But once you're in the light, you should never be satisfied with that light because there is a light that, bright, that shines brighter than just knowing him. There is a light that moves you from knowing him to being like him to being in his presence, and then there are endless degrees of depth within his presence. So we should always aspire more. We've never arrived because we've attended a lot of worship services. We've never arrived because we've had a Bible study. We've not arrived because we, we know a lot. 
We should never listen to a scripture and say, oh, yes, I know that scripture because the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And every time you read it, God will pull back another layer. He will reveal more of himself to you in that scripture. When you become complacent or when you become, scripture becomes common, you know you have moved out of the light of his glory and you've just moved back into the light of knowing him. See, the Bible says that you can know him and go to heaven and live much of the own way that you want to live. But the Bible says you will be saved such as by fire. In other words, you barely get in. If that is your goal, then you've missed the entire revelation of Scripture. That was never the goal. The goal was never to get in. The goal was to be like him. The goal was not only to be like him, but to help others become like him. Because we are ambassadors of Christ on earth. We give forth the glory of God. That's why he created us in his image, and no other creature on earth did he create in his image except you. You are uniquely woven by the hand of Almighty God to give forth his glory, to give forth his praise, and this is simply a lab on earth preparing you for an eternal weight of glory where you will reign with him in heavenly places far above all principality and power, and that's why today you reign that way positionally, but one day you will reign that way in practice. Now let's start the sermon. The earthly dimension... The earthly dimension echoes the heavenly dimension. What God wants when he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he wants heaven to come to earth. The more we see heaven reflected in us and in society, in laws, in society, we see more of his glory. A lot of people have studied a man by the name of John Calvin. He was known as a reformer of Christian religion. That was really the smallest part of what he did. He was called to go to a town called Geneva, Switzerland. We know it today, beautiful, clean Geneva, Switzerland. But when he was called to that city, the leaders of that city didn't know what to do to reform it because it was so corrupt so evil, even though it was a crossroads of trade for Europe. People feared for their very lives. John Calvin came in and said, I will be glad to reform Geneva, but you have to give me the power to do so. The banking system we have today is because of John Calvin. The educational system we have today is because of John Calvin. There was a time in early America, laws known as the blue laws. Some of you remember those. What that meant was you couldn't do business on Sunday. Only if there were certain things that were required for emergency purposes could you be open. Some parts of America are still that way. In Bergen County, New Jersey, close to where we live, they still have blue laws. You can't buy a car. You can't go to a mall. Nothing on Sunday. That was because of John Calvin. Church bells became popular because of John Calvin. John Calvin instituted a law in Geneva, Switzerland that said when the church bell rings on Sunday morning, one member of your church, of your family has to be in church or the head of that household will be arrested and put in jail for three days. Now some people, we'd, we'd, have, we'd have a wonderful jail ministry, wouldn't we? But the idea was if at least one person went, they could come back and tell the rest of the family what was going on. 
John Calvin was so successful in what he did, he lived there just a short time, and he reformed much of it, and they were unable to keep it steady, so they had him come back. At one time, John Calvin was one of the top five highest paid people in all of Europe. He was sought out by every country in Europe to come live there and reform. He was a reformer first of society. You have to be a reformer of society. You can't simply be a Christian living in society. You are called to reform it. You are called then to revive the church, and you are called to bring awakening to the glory of God. You are called to be a revivalist. You're never called to just go to heaven. If that's what you're looking for, you're missing the point altogether. Abundance flows from heaven to earth, not from earth to heaven. You don't ask God to bless what you're doing. You say, God, what are you doing, and can I join you in it? See, heaven flows downward. Every good gift comes from above, the Scripture says, from the Father in whom there is no variance or shadow of turning. He never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God says, I want to bring that to earth. Now, I want to begin to talk to you about an open vision that Ezekiel had. Now, you're going to need to stay with me through this entire scripture that we read here. We're going to do it in sections. We're just going to read through verses, uh, about six or eight verses, but, but as we read through them, I want you to stay with me because I want you to imagine that you're Ezekiel. You don't have a vision where you're passive. You have a vision where you're interacting in this vision, this open vision that God is giving, given. And the vision that we're going to talk about is from the house. We talk about this place as the house, the house of God. We also talk about God's eternal house as the house of God, God's temple, the house. You are called the very temple of God. Let's look at Scripture, Ezekiel chapter 47 and verses 1 and 2. Then he brought me back. Now, to know who he was, you go back to about chapter 44, and you find it's one that probably is the angel of the Lord. He's not clearly identified in that way, but he takes on all the characteristics of Jesus in the Revelation. It says, he brought me back to the door of the temple. Doors are significant significant in Scripture and in life because it's there that you transition from one place to another place. It's there that you seal something off. It's there that you greet someone. Temples and, and, and houses have that in common. He brought me to the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. Now, in this open vision, he's there now. He sees it, and all of a sudden, water begins to trickle out underneath. It begins to flow from underneath the threshold. Which, if you're a homeowner, that's not good news. But if you're having an open vision, it's good news because the water speaks of the Spirit. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 7, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. That's why John wrote in the Revelation that if you thirst, come and get some living water. That's why he told the woman uh, at the well, he said, if you want some living water, come drink of me and you will never thirst again. Because inside of you is going to be a continual well of the Spirit of God. And it says, for the front of the temple faced the east. The water was flowing under the right side of the temple south of the altar. He brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around the outside of the outer gateway that faces east, and there was water running out on the right side. Now, when you read that much of the revelation that he gives, you don't know what's going on. You go, that's great. 
I, I mean, great, there's water coming out. Great, that's a spirit. And, and, but you see, the spirit is coming out of, and it's just beginning to flow. It's beginning to flow out of the house of God. And he's going to give us some directions. You see, he wants us to understand something about the house. The house has to be a house of prayer for all people. This house is a house of prayer for all people. When we see Buddhists and Muslims and Christians and non-Christians come through our doors and pray at our prayer wall, we know the house is a house of prayer for all people. The reason we leave our door open, which makes no sense if you're paying utility bills, is because we want the house to be open to the community. We don't want anyone to wonder what's going on behind the door. From the very first, we said, let's open the door. Let's leave it open. It was that, that act of opening the door that Pastor Nate first noticed. He was in the community before we even knew each other. He was across the street helping a friend. He looked over, he noticed there was a church named Influence, and he noticed the door was open, and he thought, that's so unusual. Later, months later, when, when he got word from a friend of ours that there was a church that, that might be right for him, and the person mentioned this church named Influence, he said, I know that church, it's a church with the open door. And that's why we see when, when people come to the post office, they come into the open door first. And we pray for them, and we, we bless them, and, and we don't care what, where they come from or what's going on in their life. It's to be a house of prayer for all people. You see, because goodness flows out of the house that prays. When you, and I'm talking to every one of you, when you really get a hold of prayer, you will see goodness come out of your life like you've never seen before. When you really say, I really want to become a person of prayer, Goodness is going to begin to flow in a powerful way that you've never seen. You have to discipline yourself. You have to commit yourself to it. Let me just uh, quote from Bill Johnson. He says, God has chosen to work through us. Do you ever think that the reason you don't see God doing more in your life is because of your level of prayer? What if God is doing everything according to your level of prayer and you're frustrated because he's not doing more? We are his delegated authority on planet Earth. And prayer is the vehicle that gives occasion for his invasion. See, God is an invading intruder into a world that thinks they own. Those who don't pray allow darkness to continue ruling. You see, it's time, church, to bind the strong man in every nation, every state, every city, every neighborhood, every school, and every home. Amen? It's time to take back that which we forfeited by neglect, that which we forfeited by sin, that which we forfeited by omission of the call that God has put on our life. You see, we are the church. Can you put your arms around that? Can you put your hands together and say, we are the church? Put your hands together and clap and say, we are the church. We were bought with his blood. We were baptized by his spirit. We are strengthened by his word. We are feared by the devil. We are surrounded by angels. We are destined for eternity, and we are loved by the Father. That's who we are, amen? Amen. Give him the glory. 
I want you to see the increase that comes from his house. Ezekiel chapter 47, look at what happens in 3 through 5. And the man went out to the east with a line in his hand. He measured a 1,000 cubits. A cubit is 18 inches. And he brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my ankles. Now remember, what's happening in this open vision, and the water is the Spirit of God. He said the Spirit of God was ankle deep in my life. When you go in the water and it's ankle deep, you can freely move and do what you want to do. But the vision goes on. Look what it says. It says, and he brought me through the waters again, and the water came up to my ankles. And then again he measured a 1,000 and brought me through, and the water came up to my knees. Now just imagine you're in a river, and you're walking along in the river, and you're just getting up to your ankles, and you're getting up to your knees. A few months ago, we had a staff retreat out at the river, out at Lick Havasu, and the river runs so fast, and if you get very far into it, it'll just sweep you down. You'll be in who knows where before long, right? And it's impossible to walk upstream in that river. I want you to get that kind of a picture of the Spirit of God. And you step into the water, you get into your ankles, and you go, this is nice. It's kind of cooling and refreshing. And you get into the knees, you begin to feel the sway. You see, when you start getting in deeper with the Spirit, you begin to feel the sway of the Spirit in your life. And again, he measured 1,000. He brought me up, and the water came up to my waist. Now it's becoming almost impossible to move except with the flow of the river. Again, he measured 1,000, and the river I could not cross. And it was a river I could not cross, for the water was too deep. The water in which one must swim, a river could not be crossed. In this open vision, what's happening, he's showing Ezekiel how he moves into the deeper levels of the Spirit of God. And the question comes to us, how deep do you want to go? You see, here's the problem. Once you hit your waist in a fast-flowing river, you are almost out of control. But all of a sudden, the water begins to get deeper and deeper, and when it gets deeper and deeper, you cannot put your feet on the bottom. You must swim. And the only direction you can swim is in the direction of the Spirit of God. Now, let me ask you something. Where do you want to do? That's what he's asking Ezekiel. What do you want to do? You see, I think some people are content to sit on the shore and watch the river. They never get in the water. They never feel the depth of his presence. They're just satisfied with cooling off a little bit. Some people venture out and they get way steep and they say, it's too fast. I don't want to live in this river. This river is scary. This river is frightening. I, I just want some like sane, normal kind of Christianity. That's not in the Bible. That kind of Christianity doesn't exist in the Bible. The people in the Bible who were committed to God, have you ever noticed what happened to them? They were persecuted. They were sometimes killed. They stood. They saw heaven open. They saw the glory of God. They were counted great in God's eyes, but it was because they lost control in the Spirit of God. You see, when the Spirit of God begins to work, the increase will be exponential. What happens in exponential? You begin to move like this, and all of a sudden, if you've ever seen a chart and it goes up to the right, it doesn't do one of these nice, quick things like that. It does this. And what I realized is that faith never comes in baby steps. It comes in giant leaps. When Peter was, was, says, saw Jesus walking on the water, he said, bid me to come. He says, come on, Peter. 
Did you ever notice that Peter didn't hang his feet over the side of the boat? Dangle his feet in it and said, let me just see if the water's okay. What he did was he got out of the boat without thinking because I can reason myself out of faith that quick, can't you? Oh, that doesn't make sense. Why would I do that? That's stupid. I can't do that. But you see, Peter said, I'm going to get out of the boat because faith comes in leaps, not in little steps. And if you want to go from in the boat to Jesus, you've got to get out of the boat, you've got to step on the water, and you've got to realize your faith is going to go exponential. You're going to go, how did I get here so fast? Because you took a step. The increase will bring you into his presence. When you begin to move in the increase, you're going to feel his presence like you've never felt it before. Without the increase, you cannot understand the heart of, of God. This is where it really comes down to. So why do I want to be in his presence? Why do I want to know the increase? Because that's when you really know him. See, isn't Christianity all really, really all about knowing God so that then you can become a, a great carrier of God in this world? I have to know the heart of the Father. When I know the heart of the Father, then when something tough comes in my life, I don't blame him. And I don't blame somebody else. I just go, Father, you, you must know. Uh, it may have been something stupid I did, but Father, you know what's best for me, and you're going to lead me through this, and I trust you completely. Joel chapter 3 and verse 18. Listen to what Joel says. It will come to pass in the day that the mountains shall drip with new wine. That word, that word drip right there is literally the word prophecy or prophesy. The mountains are going to prophesy. They're going to give you a message. They're going to prophesy with new wine. The hills are going to flow with milk, and all the brooks of Judah will be flooded with water. Now listen to this last part. And a fountain shall flow from the house of the Lord. Here it is again, remember? A fountain's flowing from the house of the Lord and water the valley of Arcasia. Now, if you don't study your Bible much, you don't know what Arcasia was. I got to admit, I had to do a little research myself. I knew the Ark of the Covenant was made out of Arcasia wood and then covered in gold. But I had to go back and say, What's, what is this valley of Arcasia? And I realized when Israel left Egypt, remember that? And they came out, they crossed the Red Sea, and they had wandered in the wilderness 40 years. Ever wandered 40 years? Watered 40 years in the wilderness, right? And they come up to the Jordan, and guess where they camp? In the valley of Arcasia. And I said, okay, God, what does Arcasia mean? Arcasia means thorn. They were camped in the valley of the thorn. But it was out of the thorn that came the Arcasia wood Ark of the Covenant because, you see, that was where the mercy of God was, and God took his only son, Jesus, and put a thorn around his head and put him on a wooden cross and crucified him so you could understand the water is flowing out of the Arcasia wood, out of the thorn, out of the heart and the life of Jesus Christ. He brought him right down there in the valley. The valley of his presence. The thorn became the valley of his presence. You know, when you enter into that relationship with Jesus and you walk in front of him and you know him, you know that the thorns begin to disappear from your life and you're in the presence of God. You're not worried about what's wrong. You're, looking, you're living in the presence. Can I just tell you this? There's always a valley before victory. If you're in the valley, just rejoice. 
You, you got, you're primed for a victory, amen? And there's only one way to move when you're in a valley of the thorn, and that's forward. You got to cross the Jordan, amen? You got to cross the Jordan. Let me take you to another scripture. Zechariah chapter 14, verses uh, uh, 8 and 9. Listen to this. And as soon as I read this scripture, then we're going to see a video, amen? Going to give you a little break because you got to think about some of this stuff. And that day it shall be that living water shall flow from Jerusalem. Do you see how consistent Scripture is? If you know how to tie this together, you're going to begin to see God's putting all these dots together. He's taking Ezekiel. He's taking you Joel. He's taking you Zechariah. He's giving you the same vision. This is an open vision that Ezekiel had, and then God began to give this to other prophets. And in that day it shall be that living waters shall flow from Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea and half of them toward the western sea. In both summer and winter it shall occur, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. You see, there's coming a time when he's king over all the earth. In that day, it shall be the Lord is one, and his name is one. I really believe that God allows the challenges of our present day, the challenges of what happened in Orlando, the challenges of what happens St. Louis, Minnesota, Dallas, those challenges he puts before us so that we understand the fallen nature of man. It's never his will, it's never his desire that tragedy comes. But he says to us, what will you do about it? You are my agents on planet Earth. You are created in my image. You know, we never know what God is going to use. Melody, one of our worship leaders, she's out of town this week, um, but she, she's a songwriter. She went to NYU, and she got her degree in songwriting, and she began to write uh, in the pop world. You know, one of the prophecies that God gave us through banning up at Jesus Culture was that this place was going to be a house of worship. We didn't know how, what that's going to look like. And this church would be a church that would be a lab for doing church a new way. We don't know even what that means yet. But it's interesting because what happened was that Melody began to write, and then she got a phone call. And that phone call led to a song that was bought and released by Jennifer Lopez this Thursday. I want you to see the interview, and I want you to hear her heart about what happened. And I want you to think in light of what's happened in our world where we see the gay community of Orlando struck down. We see police officers. We see African-American men shot. We see all kinds of things happening in our world, but ultimately, it's our responsibility to change society. Society will not change apart from God. You and I have the responsibility. Let's watch the video. I remember it was January 11th, and one of my good friends from high school had actually passed away, and I had found out that morning. So I was like devastated, and my phone was like going off, going off, and I thought it was all of my friends calling about him. And then I checked, and it was the producer of the song, and he's like, Jennifer Lopez is recording the song. Send me the lyrics right now. We need them right now. My name is Melody Noel Hernandez. Um, I'm from Orange County, and I am a singer, and I am a songwriter. I started pursuing songwriting maybe like four, yeah, four years ago. Sophomore year of college, I got signed to my first publishing deal um, and just started like co-writing and learning about what like the professional music industry is. So November of last year, 
is when I got linked up with these guys named The Agency and John Mitchell, um, who are the co-writers on a song called Love Make the World Go Round. And in January, um, I found out that Jennifer Lopez was interested in the song and wanted to record the song. And I was supposed to be so happy, but I couldn't be happy because I was so sad that this had happened to my friend. And I remember the Holy Spirit telling me that day, remember this. Like, remember how small this feels in comparison to, like, life and people. They said it was going to be her first single. It didn't end up being her first single. So I was kind of like, I don't know if this song's ever going to come out. Christina Grimmie, that the, her passing happened, and I remember it, like, it hit me really, really hard because I just got an email to work with her, and she's like a super strong believer and like on fire for Jesus, and I didn't get it. I was like, what? This makes no sense. How could she just get shot and die? It made no sense. And then the next day, Orlando happened and all that massacre. Every week I have two of my really close friends, Monet and Grace, they come over and we pray for the industry and we just pray, you know, for like anxiety and depression to lift off the industry, for God to start having his way in the music industry. And that Tuesday they came over and we just, we spent a little over an hour just praying and interceding that songs of hope and songs of love and songs that would like infuse life into people would come into the industry. And especially towards um, like the gay community for them to feel loved and to know that like God loves them. He loves them so much. Fast forward Thursday, I was doing a worship night and I got a phone call beforehand that was like, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who's the lead guy from Hamilton who did like the writing and producing for that, he heard the song, he thinks it could be really powerful, but he wants you to hurry up and change the lyrics, make them more spiritual, make them about peace, love, and unification. And I'm like, well, this is what I prayed on Tuesday. And I was like, all right, cool, when do you need them by? They're like, we need them by midnight tonight because he leaves for London tomorrow, they need to record it in the morning, like, get on it. Long story short, they recorded it and it's coming out on Thursday. It's so crazy to see that A, God's timing is perfect, B, it's gonna be used for his purposes, See, I was worrying that it wasn't the first single and that it was never going to come out and God, are you ever going to use me in a big way in this industry? And he has his hand all over this and I'm just so excited for what he's about to do in the industry. You know, when somebody dies in Orlando, they bleed red blood. Somebody dies in Dallas, Minnesota, St. Louis, Louisiana. They bleed red blood. They're humans. We, we are never called to judge. You know, Jesus said, I did not come to judge the world, but the world through me might have life. And when you love, love never fails. I want you to see the healing that comes from the house. And at the end of this service, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask uh, us to just come to the front of this church for the healing of our land and any of you who need healing just to, to be healed. But um, we also want to pray for our law enforcement officers. But in Ezekiel 47 and 6 through 9, he said, he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? It's a funny question. He said, have you seen this? Remember, Ezekiel's recording it 
this open vision. Have you seen this? Then he brought me back and he returned me to the bank of the river. And when I returned, there was along the bank of the river very many trees. And on one side and on the other, and he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region. It goes down into the valley. It enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the river goes, will live. You're the river. You're the spirit of God in you. You're the river moving through society. Wherever the river goes will live, and there will be a great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. On Instagram last night, I was, I was kind of looking through what was happening, and I just want to read a post from Instagram from a girl named Natasha, whom I do not know. But she said this, so this morning I went into a convenience store to get a protein bar. As I walked through the door, I noticed that there were two white police officers, one about my age, the other several years older, talking to the clerk, an older white woman behind the counter, about the shootings that have gone on in the past few days. They all looked at me and fell silent. I went about my business to get what I was looking for. As I turned back up the aisle to go pay, the oldest officer was standing at the top of the aisle watching me. As they got closer, he asked me how I was doing. I replied, okay, and you? He looked at me with a strange look and he asked, how are you really doing? I looked at him and said, I'm tired. His reply was, me too. Then I said, I guess it's not easy um, being either of us right now, is it? And I said, no, it's not. Then he hugged me and I cried. I'd never seen that man before in my life and I had no idea why he was moved to talk to me. What I do know is that he and I shared a moment this morning that was absolutely beautiful. No judgment, no justification, just two people sharing a moment. Healing flows from the path of the river. The river flows from the throne of God. That revelation that, that Ezekiel had about the trees takes us to the book of the Revelation, chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. It says, he showed me a pure river of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. In the middle of the street on either side of the river, there was a tree of life which bore 12 fruits and each tree yielding its fruit every month. And look what it says, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. When I saw that, I realized this is a, this is a, a scripture after, we, after heaven, after we're in heaven, that the healing isn't finally complete just because you go to heaven. There's still a healing that has to take place. You don't just get over something, even in heaven. And God provides this picture of the, the leaves that are for the healing of the nations. Graham Cook said, we are citizens of heaven residing on earth, a truth that provokes us into a new perspective, a better way of thinking. We are to think heavenly. We are to echo from heaven all the goodness of God. Well, you may not know what goodness is, but it's easy to spot. A few life applications. Don't resist the river. When this, if you feel the Spirit of God moving you, don't resist the river. And don't stay on the beach, whatever you do. The beach is not for those who really understand the presence of God. Never be a casual observer in the kingdom. Be a committed part of the core of what God is doing. See, when God sent us out, he sent us out, commissioned us all out 
to go out and heal the sick. Pray the kingdom come. Love one another. Respond to the voice of God. When you hear God's voice, respond to the voice of God. I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. I'm going to ask those of you who may be uh, either in law enforcement or you have a family member in law enforcement, I'm just going to ask you if you would just slip out from where you are. I'm going to ask my wife to come up here on stage with me, and we're going to pray for you. But I'm going to ask you if, you if you're part of law enforcement or you have a family member in law enforcement just to come here. And then I'm going to ask those of you uh, all of you who would, who would say, you know what, I want to pray for the healing of this nation. I'm going to ask you to just to come, to slip out from where you're standing or seated, seated right now and just come to the front here. Would you do that? Never has there been a time where we have had a greater opportunity in recent days to move society closer to God than right now. Right now we have that opportunity. Everybody lost and saved, indifferent, disconnected. Everybody knows there's a problem. The good news is we have a solution. Amen? Just squeeze in tight, guys. Just squeeze in tight. Make room for everybody. Just get in here where you can just... We know we all have a problem. And we need to lift up not only our law enforcement community, but God, we want to lift up society at large and just pray for the ministry of the Spirit to work through us to bring healing to a nation that's torn. We long for a heartfelt revival of the Spirit of God. Oh God, we just feel your presence in this place already, God. God, we got to start by just submitting to the God of the universe that sees and knows and loves. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now over all law enforcement. God, I pray protection and power. I pray a wall of fire. God, I pray that they would feel loved and honored as they serve us. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now that there would be protection over family members in this church that have those in law enforcement. I have brother-in-laws in law enforcement. So we pray power and protection in Jesus' name. I pray within this church, within this body would rise up within this house. Honor, honor for law enforcement. God, you've given us so many police officers in this church. There's a reason for that. And I believe there is a well springing up in this church, Father. So we right now, we pray for that. But God, we also pray for the hurt and the pain that we're feeling right now as our hearts grieve. We pray over these families that have lost loved ones, little children that wake up today fatherless and motherless. Father, those who wake up with burdens because of the society of, of hate and crime. So we pray for revival, God. We pray for a spirit of revival. God, I pray for this church that we would be so burdened. God, would you just bring a burden on this house, a burden on this house so we can break every chain and we can pray through, Father. We pray that the strong man of Anaheim Hills and Orange County be released in the name of Jesus. We pray for power in this house. Every person that came forward in the name of Jesus with a burden, we pray it's lifted in the name of Jesus, Father. We receive Holy Ghost power. God, we walk in the river. We walk in the river, God. We walk in through our ankles and up to our knees and up to our waist, and we want to swim in the river. So God, would the river flow from 
this house in Jesus' name. If this morning you uh, you had a burden that you, that you just say, Pastor, I just I need to be healed of something. It doesn't have to be physical. It could be it could be relational. It could be emotional. It might be financial. But you need God to, to work a miracle in your life. I wonder, just would you just slip your hand up? Anybody like? Okay, amen. Okay, all right. Let me just pray for you right now, Father. You saw these hands. God, the hands that were getting ready to go up, you saw. The ones that want to go up right now, God, you saw. So it's not conditional on the hands going up. It's just a, a, an acknowledgement before you, Father. We are people in need. I want to pray right now over the needs of these hands that went up. I don't know what the need is. I don't know whether it's emotional, financial, physical, God. But we just want to say, with the authority of all of heaven, be healed in Jesus' name. Embrace that healing right now. Just say, I am healed. Would you just say that? I am healed. God has worked in me a miracle. You have to confess what you want God to do in your life. You say, what if he doesn't? That's doubt. Just put it aside. Don't worry about that. Just claim what God said and have the confession of your mouth be toward the work of the Almighty God. So by the authority of all Scripture, by the promise of heaven, by the healing that comes in the atonement of Jesus Christ, we just say, be healed in Jesus' name. God, we look forward to hearing reports of miraculous healings, of transformations, of relationships restored, of life brought back together that was separated, and joy returned. Father, we are the church of the living God, and we are your bride, and we know that every groom wants a happy bride. Amen. 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 That was pretty good. Every, every groom wants a happy bride. Amen. Right? You guys that are married know that, don't you? Huh? You're kind of quiet right now. You know what? We're going we're gonna to just say uh, God bless you guys for being here today. And uh, the band's just going to play as you go out. Um, take this week to do something good. Amen, in society. Make a difference in somebody's life. Amen? Amen. Can I just, I just want us to be praying for um, Pastor uh, Drew and Whitney. Many of you know their wedding was last night, and they, you know, they're, they're part of our house. They're part of our kids. So just pray they have a fantastic week and pray over them. But God's spirit is on that couple, and so intercede for them this week because they're part of this house. Yeah. That's a good word, huh? I don't know how much prayer you really need when you're on your honeymoon, though. Anyway, have a great day. God bless you guys. (laughs)